Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of used to be Kevin Colbert, now it might be Omar Khan. Um, but Mike Tomlin um, could still be Brandon Hunt involved. Um, but certainly the rest of the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, as I always like to say, and a roster that will compete for a seventh Lombardi, whether it's this year or another year. Um, but we always hope it's, you know, the next year we need to get ahead of the Patriots. We need to get ahead of Tom Brady as well, um, you know, who obviously has his seven with the Patriots and the Buccaneers. But look, before I kick off and get right into the show and get all distracted with all those good things that I've got planned for you today, just want to say, as always, Behind the Steel Curtain is your non-stop and one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got BehindTheSteelCurtain.com um, with various different articles from a lot of great different um, BTSC contributors. And I'm going to mention some of those today throughout the sh- today's show and the focus on Calvin Austin III. You've obviously got the podcast side. Some of those shows are live on YouTube in the evening, everything from you know um, The Hangover to The Scobro Show to The Curtain Call to um, on Thursday nights, um, you know, you've got... I meant to blank on what's on Thursday preview. What am I thinking? It does move around though, depending on in season and games and stuff. Then on Friday nights, you've got Mark and I with touchdown under, and then you've got Tony six back with Tony. So you've got double a double header or double trouble um, on Friday nights. Um, and then on Sunday, on Saturdays and Sundays, um, you've got, you know, we run the North, um, the show, and then you have like pre or post game shows that Steelers are playing um, and the Sunday night Q&A at the moment in the off season. So lots to go there. This is one of the noon shows, um, really great lineup there. This is one of the pioneer shows for those noon shows. So wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you're listening to this on the website, just go and visit Spotify, iTunes. Um, I think we're in Pandora, Stitcher, um, maybe one of the other ones as well. Wherever you get a podcast, you can find Behind the Steel Curtain com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So now that I've got the promo out of the way, um, you know, today's show is really focused on, and I, you know, sometimes we submit titles, so the title may not be there um, in terms of what I originally put, but I really focused today's show around Calvin Austin III um, and how can the Steelers' opponents tame this Tiger, this Memphis Tiger that the Steelers drafted um, in the fourth round, 138th overall in the draft. He's a really interesting player. Um, you know, I almost think he's a bit of an enigma in some ways, but other ways he's not. Um, you know, I've heard him described as lightning in a bottle um, in one of the draft profiles of him. So he's a really interesting player. This is the third um, player we're reviewing in our series, reviewing the Steelers draft picks that they picked in this NFL draft. And I'm really excited to do so. By now, you will have read a little bit about Calvin Austin. You may have even watched a bit of Calvin Austin from some tape or some film rooms on Behind the Steel Curtain. You may have heard an interview with him at Rookie Minicamp. Um, you may have been looking what he might have done in OTAs, all these different things. Um, but I think it's pretty cool to do a bit. I wanted to provide you guys with a comprehensive recap of who he is, the profile, what the draft, um, you know, different draft pundits were thinking of him coming out, what he did in the combine, how he was used in college, um, you know, and and some BTSC reactions to him as well. So really across the board, I really wanted to look at Calvin Austin, the third for you. So you can feel comfortable and, and go into the season watching and knowing maybe a bit more about him than you didn't know before, even if you did know a lot about him. So that's where we're kind of, you know, situated for today's show. So sit back, relax. Um, You know, if you're driving, obviously keep your eyes on the road, but I hope this sort of helps you during your commute. And I think the number one thing 
you know, even that title about taming a tiger, whether that's the actual t- title that's made it into, you know, the descriptions or not, wherever you listen to the show. I want you to think about as I talk through all these things, just the one thing in your back of mind, I want you to be asking yourself the question. One, is this guy someone that, you know, does he ladder up to what the expectations are going to be of him? And what I mean by that is we talk about him being quick. We talk about him being undersized. You know, what are the possibilities and can you see it working? And, and so when it comes around to the season and he does something that surprises everyone, you aren't, you're not going to be surprised. You're going to be able to tell your mates, this is, you know, or your, your friends or your family members or whoever it is, your, co- your colleagues at work. You know, this is a guy that you knew about. This is the stuff that he did, um, you know, and these are the possibilities with him, you know. And then like any fourth-round draft pick, who knows? He, you know, he might he might bust out. But I think things are looking good if you hear from the interview and, and what we've already seen on things like tape and um, things at the Combine. So let's get into him. Enough previewing him. Calvin Austin the third out of the Memphis Tigers, um, really, as I say, he's, he's someone that sort of catches the eye when you look at, you know, different tape, um, someone that caught the eye at the combine. Now, if you look at some places, they list him as five, seven and three quarters. You look at the Steelers website, they have him as five, nine. You look at his NFL draft profile, which obviously like usually they update this on the combine. He is five, eight. So he's somewhere between five seven and five nine, but still, regardless, he's on the smaller side. And most people said if he was five eleven plus, he might have been in the first round. All those sorts of things. He is out of Memphis. He played all his college career at Memphis. He was a Memphis Tigers fan growing up, so that's an interesting thing about him as well. He did a forty. His combine results were a four point three two forty yard time. He didn't do the bench. He did have vertical jump of 39, a broad jump of 135, a cone drill of 665, um, so 6.65, a 20-yard shuttle of 407, um, 170 pounds, 30-inch arms, um, nine and one-quarter hands. So bigger hands than Kenny Pickett. Um, so if you're worried about Kenny Pickett throwing the football, at least he's got bigger hands to catch football, maybe, right? Um, he was the 33rd. So one thing that's interesting as well, he was the 33rd pick in round four. So he was the compensatory pick. He wasn't, you know, the Steelers pick because they obviously picked at 20 throughout each of the rounds if they haven't traded away a pick. His next-gen stats um, were he, he was rated a 72. His prospect grade by Lance Zerline, who did over 500 prospects for the NFL, um, he had him rated there um, at a six, which usually six is uh, traits or talent to be above average backup. So that's third or fourth string. It's not necessarily a starter. It's not to say you can't develop, but that gives you, you know, an idea um, sort of of where he's at from that perspective. So, you know, that sort of gives you that sort of set. Um, to give you an idea as well for context, like a Cole Hamilton is a 6.81. He had the highest ranking in the draft. Jamison Williams was a 6.48, so half a point ahead, um, you know, and so on and so forth and different other players. Now, it was interesting. What I thought when I saw a couple of comparisons, and a lot of people talked about him, um, about Anthony Miller, another Steelers wide receiver, because Anthony Miller was a walk-on just like Calvin Austin III um, at Memphis, and they both played at Memphis. They were both in the track squads. Um, he was a 2019, so Calvin Austin was a 2019 second-team All-American track honors in the 4 by 100 meter relay several All-American Athletic Conference honors in various events. 
He redshirt. He was a redshirt freshman in 2018. Played 11 games as a reserve. Um, two for 24, 12 receiving, 83 TDs, in, and 83 yard touchdown. His only carry. Um, played 13 games off the bench in 2019. We'll go into his stats later in the show. Um, he, after getting a scholarship, and he finally getting a scholarship after a team win against Houston in November. He was an All ACC selection in 2020 after ranking six in the FBS with 11 receiving touchdowns. Um, he led the Tigers in receiving in 2011, uh, and he had a controversial 94-yard punt return. That was a key highlight. He opted out of the Hawaii Bowl, um, you know, and that was eventually cancelled anyway as the Hawaii football team had COVID-19 issues. Lance Erline had him coming out in rounds three to four, compared him to Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, while they noted him as a productive playmaker with below average size and above average heart, I think when we get into the rest of Calvin Austin, that's kind of, that's a really nice sort of nine to 10 words that sums up who he is. But I think he's, you know, someone that is going to, the below average size is not going to be an issue. Um, but it, anyway, we'll, we'll see, obviously, as he proves himself. But some of the strengths posted back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. These are strengths according to the Lancer line. Quick stem and release versus press. His feet are fluid and fast throughout the route. If You see that on tape as well. Um, gliding speed surprises the coverage. Impressive break, break and open to shake coverage on deep cornerbacks. He has loose hips to elude coverage on short area routes. Reads the defense in scramble situations and finds open grass. I'm going to talk about that later. That's a really key thing that I like about him that I see on tape. Does not play with fear despite his size. Speed to eliminate tackle angles after the catch. Jitter and go punt return talent. That's helpful for the Steelers. How long have I talked about, if you're a regular listener to my shows, this or Steelers touchdown or another show um, around the Steelers get, bring in a young wide receiver that can punt and, and, and keep return. Weaknesses, he's a diminutive target. He can be knocked off the route path by physical coverage, can be beaten when competing for 50-50 throws, needs to create a cleaner catch window as a pro, inconsistent selling his vertical push off the snap. He was quickly tackled with a modest effort by defenders. Maybe that's a size-related thing. Bad habit of fielding punts inside the five-yard line. So maybe let a few things go through the keeper. These aren't that bad for the weaknesses. These are all things that can... Kind of like, I mean, he can't change how tall he is. Um, we don't want him to put on too much weight, but most of the other stuff, even with a bit of technique, he can fix this. So I think that's pretty positive. And these are things that like, if maybe if I had half of them, he'd be a second round pick um, and with a couple of inches on his height. But that's that's how Lance Zerline saw him. Now, before we go into PFN's, so Pro Football Network, um, their draft guide analysis for him, I wanted to talk about it. We picked him at 138. Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked as his 131st best prospect. Um, he was the seventh wide receiver ranked prospect for Pro Football Network. And he was Tony Pauline, who spoke with Jeff Hartman a couple of days before the draft. He was his 69th overall best player. Um, and he was the 104th overall best player in PFN's big board. Interestingly, the 16th wide receiver was George Pickens. Um, so, you know, we talked about him obviously in the first of this, you know, r- draft pick review um, series of, of shows as part of Steelers' war room in this, in this offseason. 
So that's kind of interesting. The other thing that I wanted to talk about too about him was that they had him on pass in the draft. And I, I think they kind of spent too long talking about a few other guys like Aiden Hutchinson and Tariq Woolen. And there was another guy, but they were talking about, um, it might've been Nick Benito, but they were talking about four unicorns. And he was labeled as one of the unicorns because of the combine stats that I shared with you earlier, which are just really quite out there and quite tremendous and elite for a guy that is his size and his weight. So that's kind of interesting as well. Um, from that perspective. Now, Pro Football Network, they basically, you know, say that, the, that you know, the ceiling's really high for a guy like him. He's fast, explosive, twitchy, really well-balanced overall. He's decisive and calculated with his routes. I think so too. I think you said it on tape. When he's on, he's a separation factory and he's incredibly shifty after the catch. You noted that in Lance Erlang. He talked about the quick feet, um, which you do see. Um, they talked about a comparison with Tutu Atwell, who was taken 57th overall in, t- in the 2021 NFL draft. We took him like uh, over 84 spots later. Um, but they say Austin is a better prospect than Atwell. Austin's a more precise and detailed route runner. He's more manipulative with releases. He's got better instincts at the catch point. Um, he's got game-breaking explosiveness and speed that made Atwell such a high pick. The other thing you've got to think about is he was, we talk about Pickens being the 16th overall rate of wide receiver for PFN. We talk about Calvin Austin being the, the, the 17th pick um, in terms of 17th ranked wide receiver. That's, you've got to remember that look how many wide receivers went in the first round. It wasn't five, maybe it was even six. Uh, you know, you've got Drake London and Alave and Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson and um, Traylon Burks when, uh, no, Sky Moore didn't, um, you know, but you've got at least, well, it was a five or six wide receivers that went, right? So as soon as you're getting into 10 or 12, you still would be, you might even be a top, if, if, if you're in the top 15 in this draft, you're probably in the top eight to 10 in any other draft. So that shows you that difference with Tudor Atwell. Um, at the senior bowl, he used his route running wizardry to generate constant separation against high-level defensive backs. He showed off that extension ability and body control that makes him more of a speed threat. You know, you heard Source Gardner say one of the hardest guys he came up against, you know, or had to defend against was Calvin Austin the third. Um, he's obviously smaller and lighter than Atwell, but he's not at all fragile. He can catch passes in mid-contact. You see them, he goes up to get the ball. Um you know, so he can, they basically saying that if Atwell has already started to produce at a pro level, Austin can do that too. Um, positives from, you know, Pro Football Network. Austin is supremely explosive and sudden out of his stance. He's an effortless accelerator. KT Smith talks about that, being able to get to full speed on a step. Um, and he's also very shifty after the catch. He can cut routes at absurd angles. You see that on tape. Um, we'll get to that when we look at Kevin Smith's article as well. He's got springy vertical athleticism. And he can track the ball, contort, and snare passes. Um, the negatives, he doesn't have the size to consistently fight through contact at the stem. More physical defenders can delay and muddy his breaks. He can be draped by larger defensive backs, although Austin's fast feet help him. Length present, presents trouble and press. He's a short strider, which means his athletic long strides can keep pace with him. He also isn't going to withstand direct content with his frame very often. Um, he can be also be, could fix his footwork on occasions, although this improved in 2021. Now, and looking at those negatives as well, and I'm not trying to overhype him, I'm not trying to spin it or anything like it, but you've got to think, as if, you, if you can keep Calvin Austin with the Steelers as like the third wide receiver behind a big body guy like a Chase Claypool, for example, or a Pickens, um, then you've got another guy, you know, 5'10 to 6 foot, um, that's a more of your route runner, you know, your receiver like a Deontay Johnson, um, 
and you allow the d- top defenders to focus on the other players and you give a chance for Austin to beat other people or to get into space, that's where he's going to be dangerous. He's not going to be your number one wide receiver, but he can produce stats, I think, at the NFL level at a second or you know third string level if he's the third or the fourth string. And, and I say that not because I think he needs to be the fourth string. I'm saying that because I think, and I'll be world the number four for Memphis, but I'm saying that because it's, it's how much play time he's going to get, which is going to affect those stats. So that's the interesting thing from if you look at the analysis from Pro Football Network, and this is very aligned to what you saw with Lance Sirline as well. The other thing, uh, let's look at him from a draft network perspective. Um, they had him as a TDN top 100 prospect um, as well. So that, that's exciting from that perspective. Um, they had him there. I think he was the, he was ahead of George Pickens as well. He was the 61 ranked um, best prospect and he was the wide receiver. He was the 13th, I think, best wide receiver. Um, they said he's an ideal role as a second or third receiver that gets touches in a variety of ways, can fit spread scheme really well. Um, he was studied by Joe Marino and I trust Joe Marino's takes over a couple of the other guys over there. Um, so they talked about him from his perspective. His three top traits were Route running, um, he can run detail-oriented routes. He understands leverage and makes adjustments on the fly. Crisp and sudden through route breaks, you'd expect that with that track athlete. Separation, don't blink or you'll miss him. I think we've talked about that. But he knows how to settle in zone and make himself available to the quarterback. That's really important with a Trubitsky learning the offense or a, a rookie in Kenny Pickett if he takes the stage as well um, or takes the, I should say, takes the field um, this season. Um, release package. Um, don't let his size fool you into thinking he's got it work from the slot. He can do other things. More than 90% of his reps in 20 or 21 came outside, and we'll get into that. We'll look at that later in the show. And more than 77% of his reps in college overall were out wide. He uses foot fire and twitch to clear jams, and corners have to be really cautious with him at the line of scrimmage because they can be left in the dust in a hurry. Um, he will be challenged in new ways in the NFL, but he has a diverse release package. Um, plus, you've got a guy that's really quick. Like, that's going to make all the difference. Plus, Source Gardner is going to be better than a lot of cornerbacks in the league. And I know Source Gardner hasn't taken the field, but you've got to, you've got to remember, this is the guy that Source Gardner named as the, one of the hardest guys to defend. You know, So th- that's going to help him. He's going to get by some of the third and fourth stringers. It also means we don't want to be overhyped by if we see anything in the preseason because teams don't have things on tape. You know, it's it's going to be different packages and what have you. It also, don't be surprised to see him not do much um, in preseason. They might look to try and hide some things so they don't overly show things off. So tempered expectations there. Now, second part of the show, we're going to look more into the stats side of things and what have you. But the other thing I wanted to pull up was a bit more about Calvin Austin, the man. Now, he had a really good interview. If you missed it, I, I suggest you find it on YouTube Um I mean, Jeff Hartman did a really good uh, over, overall review of it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and he titled it Don't Confuse Calvin Austin's Size with the Inability to Be a Weapon for the Steelers. And I'll pull out a couple of quotes from there in a sec. But he did do an interview you can find through the Pittsburgh Steelers' official YouTube channel. Um, and you start to find out that Calvin Austin's got a really mature head on his shoulders now. He's a senior coming out. Um, but in this interview with the Draft Network, in, in you know, people can be invited to go have a look at it. It was really interesting. But there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. 
He said he loved watching film on all types of receivers from Devontae Adams to smaller receivers like Cole Beasley. I watch all kinds of receivers. I try to get different looks and a well-rounded feel for every type of receiver. If I see something I like, I try to implement that into my game. One of my receivers coaches, John Simon, taught me a lot about football and releases in general. He taught me how to be patient and how to use my speed and quickness to set things up. I used to be a guy that went with 100% speed off the line of scrimmage all the time. Coach Simon taught me how to manipulate my routes in order to take control of the rep. That's when I really started to successfully use my speed and quickness to my advantage. So if you're thinking this is a really quick guy that's going to come out of college and just, oh, it's going to be a massive adjustment. He started to make those. He started to think about the routes he's running, when to accelerate, when to not. He was then asked a question of, does he have a favorite route to run? And he said, probably a slant because I can run a slant in a variety of ways. Once I catch the ball, that's one of those plays where if I catch it on the run and I beat the cornerback off the line, that's that's one that can go for a touchdown after the catch. That's why I'd probably go with the slant. Of course, I love a go-go, a good go ball as well. Um, a slant and a vertical go ball would definitely be my go-tos. But then asked him that, you know, he's extremely elusive with the hands. It's one of the reasons you sing without slant rounds. It's one of your favorites. How do you create opportunities after the catch? And this is really important because in the NFL, you can't just rely on speed to beat people. You've got to make plays. And the players that make plays with the ball after the catch, I mean, if we didn't have receivers that could could do that, we wouldn't have done, we wouldn't have got to the playoffs last year. You watched guys like Deontay Johnson do things with the ball after the catch, you know. Um, but he sort of says, I grew up playing football in the backyard. I have a ton of older cousins that I used to play with growing up. I've always loved getting the ball in my hands and attempting to duke a defender. I've been doing that since I was in the backyard with my family. I've always practiced my ability to stop on a dime. Everyone was older and bigger than me. Once I got the ball in my hands, I always had to use my speed and quickness to, to my advantage. Once I get the ball in my hands, that's when the show begins. Once I get it, I start paying attention to whoever's around me and I, how I can make them miss in the open field. If I make that first man miss, I can take it to the house. Now, there are lots of other things in this interview that were pretty cool with the Draft Network, but I want to focus on that because you, when we get to Jeff Hartman's, you know, don't confuse Calvin Austin's size, you know, with what he might be able to do for the Steelers and the weapon that he might be. These, this is one of those things that's really important because you've got a guy that's not afraid. He's not a little guy that's afraid. That's really important. And he knows how to use his speed. And when we're talking about stopping on a dime and being able to use your speed throughout the route and getting by bigger guys, you know, can you use footwork to, you know, do a feint or to make them, you know, um, anticipate the wrong way? And that's what a juke is. I and mean, when we call a sidestep in, you know, the sport I come from in rugby, you know, that's a really important thing um, from that perspective. The other thing is, He's saying, once I get the ball into my hands, that's when the show begins. Once I get it, I start paying attention to whoever's around me. And that's then how I can focus on how to make the miss in the open field. How many times do we sit there with Dante Johnson and say he's worrying about what's happening around him or worrying about what he's going to do next before he's caught the football? Anthony McFarlane does the same thing and he trips over his feet. Whereas he's looking for the gap or, you know, the, the hole in the line um, or who's coming over so he can, you know, do run right toward the edge and, and get there. He's, you know, worrying about that and not holding on to the ball or not running, you know, properly running. I like that. Calvin Austin's got the maturity to sit there and say, this is what I've got to do. I've got to get the ball first and then worry about everything else. I think that bodes well. At least it's the right mentality. At least it's the right mentality. Now, 
Jeff Hartman um, did, had a really cool article. Um, you can find him behind steelcurtain.com that was published about a week ago now um, that said, don't confuse our Austin size with his inability to be a weapon for the Steelers. Um, and in that article, you know, they asked him um, what separates him from teammates or the receivers. And he talks about his heart. You know, he's like, I've never been in a situation where it's like, man, these guys are big or I'm small. I've never felt that way. I just get out there and do it. I'm a dog. Um, when I'm on the field, I have no fear. I took plenty of big hits. The best thing about that is popping right after and flexing on them. I love that attitude. That's a steel attitude. Um, you know, he said, Austin remembered um, scouts would always be like your size. You got to get bigger, your weight. And he wrote that down in his phone, in my notes and all the things that coaches have said to me in the past about that. That's my motivation. I love that. I love that fighting mentality from him. Um, and then the other thing I thought I'd bring up was the big Scott, big bro Sco, who did the live reaction article, um, you know, and then he sort of said to him as well, sorry, I saw in that he talked about Andrew Wilbur and myself and trades um, in that, in that, uh, in that recap there and that, in that reactions. Um, but he said, it's the fourth round. I'm really excited. The Steelers go with another wide receiver and Calvin Austin from Memphis. This guy's fast. If he was taller than five, eight, he could have been a first rounder. If this was the only receiver the Steelers took in the draft, I might be concerned about the size, but they got size with Pickens yesterday. All in all, I like the pick. Looks like a playmaker. Let's get him in black and gold and see what he can do. And that sort of sums that up. That also sums up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Join me for part two, and we're going to have a little bit more of a dive into Calvin Austin's production in college, what that might mean at the pro level, uh, and just get you a bit more familiar with the playmaker and the, the you know offensive scoring machine that this guy was at a college level. Stay tuned for part two. And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, um, or used to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert. And now I think it's putting in the minds of Omar Khan, who it looks like is going to be the Steel's GM at my time of recording. Um, with I think it's Whaley or Wiley as the assistant GM. Brandon Hunt's probably on the way out. But the rest of Steel's front officer, Mike Tomlin, and Art Rooney II, as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, and a roster that's going to compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy. So we talked a bit more a bit about the overall athletic profile, the man that is Calvin Austin, um, the draft profiles of him coming out, um, you know, ahead of the draft process where he was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers, 138th overall. It looks to be value. People talk, you know, the drafts, he might have been a second, wide, you know, round wide receiver. Um, in other drafts, if he was slightly, you know, tall, he could have even been a first rounder. 131st on Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 prospects. 104th on PFN's big board. 61st um, on the draft network. He's in the top 20 wide receivers anywhere you go. 69th best player, according to Tony Pauline. This is a player um, that still has got value in the fourth round, and it was a compensatory pick at that too. So not even in those 32 um, ranked um, you know, picks. Um, they're based on where teams finished in the season the previous year. 
So according to college reference, that's pro football references um, or sports reference and their college page, which is pro football references, um, you know, NCAA or, or college um, your stat site. Uh, Calvin Austin, four years. Um, he was, you know, redshirt, he redshirted his first year. Um, so he played four seasons at Memphis, 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021. Um, and that his, these stats include bowl games in 2018, 19 and 20. Um, he played four games and uh, for two receptions in his first year um, for 24 yards, um, average of 12, one rush yard with for an 83 or one rush attempt for an 83 yard touchdown. Uh, now these are these are these stats. I might mention stats later on with PFF because some things are a little bit different. So so I'm going to give you these um, nine games in 2019 as a sophomore with 17 receptions for 315 yards, average of 18 and a half, three TDs. He had four yards rushing on three yards rushing on four attempts for one TD, um, which was interesting. Uh, in 2020, his junior year, he played 11 games, 63 receptions for 1,053 yards, an average of 16.7, 11 TDs, two rush attempts um, for 14 yards, average of seven. Um, in his senior year, he played 12 games, 74 receptions, 1149 um, yards, average of 15.5, eight touchdowns, uh, one attempt rushing for 69 yards, one TD. And so when you look at it, he basically scored 25 TDs off the, like from scrimmage on our offense um, from 164 plays, which is pretty incredible. You think every five plays, this guy scores a TD, whether it's rushing or passing. Wouldn't that be good if you can bring that to the NFL? He had 156 receptions overall, according to um, sports reference, with an average um, of 16.3 for two and a half thousand yards, just over two and a half thousand yards, 22 TDs, um, which is interesting, and three rushing TDs of eight attempts with an average of 21.1 yards. Pretty incredible there, those statistics. Um, when you look at it like that, you're also showing a guy that of 156 receptions, you know, an average of 16.3 is pretty incredible. You're talking about 22 TDs as well. You're talking about a guy that's like, you know, every just over every seven um, receptions, he's scoring a TD off, uh, from a receiving perspective. That's pretty good as well. When you think about it, he only played four games in college um, in his freshman year and nine games in 2019. That's 13 games. It's only one more than what he played in his senior year. So in pretty incredible production his last two years, which is what you'd expect out of a college player. Um, but again, more than 60 receptions in his last two years, um, over eight TDs, more than a thousand yards um, receiving as well, and an average above fifteen in his final two years when he had more receptions. That's that's pretty incredible. When you look at Calvin Austin's um, receiving grades um, from PFF, so they grade everything out. Uh, his best uh, from a 2019. Uh, 2021 perspective. Sorry, I was just going to pull uh, that one up. His offensive grades. Um, this season, his standout game was against Arkansas State, or sorry, Houston with a 91.3 and Arkansas State with an 88.9. Passing grades of those were 87.6 for Arkansas State and 90.1 against Houston um, from that perspective. When you look overall from, from him um, in over his season grades at PFF, he had an 84.7 offensive grade in 2021 a um, receiving grade um, or a passing game grade of 85.2, a run grade of 69.4, 
Um, he had a 74.6 offensive grade in 2020, 75.1 um, receiving grade, uh, run grade um, of 70.1. In 2019 at Memphis, he had 81.1 for his offensive grade, 83.6 for his receiving grade, 51.9 for his run grade. In 2020, he had a 65.5 offensive grade for a 54.7 passing grade and a 77.8 run grade, which is pretty um, interesting from that perspective. You look at a guy like this that's had those two over 1,000 yard, you know, sort of seasons, and I think that's where it gets pretty interesting from him as well. Um, you look at the snap grades as well. So, uh, sorry, the snaps by position. I thought this was interesting. So, in 2019, um, he had 120 total snaps um, from the slot, 72 out wide. And then across special teams, um, he had about 43 um, and only one from the backfield. So that was 2019 uh, where the way that was the case. And all the last three years rather than 2018, because there's a bit less production um, when you look at that. In 2020, um, now, this is obviously regular season and post as well. I should clarify that. He had 139 from the slot um, in terms of snaps, 583 wide, 50 punt return, and one from the backfield. So you're not seeing in the backfield much. Um, but again, you're seeing more wide than at the slot, which is pretty crazy for a guy who's somewhere between 5'7 and 3 quarters and 5'9 um, in height as well. And then when you looked at that perspective from 2021 in terms of Snaps by position. I think this is really important where they line up. I'm doing this across all the picks. It's something that I'm going to do a lot better um, when we preview draft picks going into um, the 2023 NFL draft. Um, but in 2021, he had 11 snaps in the backfield, 52 in the slot, and 592 out wide. So you're seeing when you look at, at like put special teams aside, you're looking at about 650 snaps and almost 600 of those. Are coming so like 10 out of 11 basically 10 11 times that he lines up on, on the offensive side of the football he's lining up out wide not slot again that shows i think that's done him a great service um in terms of coming to the nfl because it showed that just because he's a little guy doesn't mean he's just a slot wide receiver and that's massive i think when you look at a guy um like calvin austin the third so that's pretty interesting from that perspective as well so looking at his receiving depths. So yeah, in his receiving depths for 2019, oh, so we'll look at tw- we'll start with 2019. Um, and I think this is really interesting because you start to see not only where he's lined up, where is he getting the passes? So receiving depths, uh, he took um, 11 targets with eight receptions um, deep um, at, a, at a deep level to 20 plus yards in 2019. He had five receptions for um, 10 targets in um 2019 from a medium position, so 10 to 19 yards, and four out of four short zero to nine. So they gave him receiving grades of 95.5 deep, um, 90.7 medium, and 78.6 um, short. His best part was deep center, deep right, and intermediate left, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, we talked about a guy like Pickens in one side of the field was better for him. This is kind of funny when you look at 2019 um, there for Calvin Austin. When you look at 2020, um, that that's a bit more interesting. So again, deep 91.6 receiving grade um, with PFF. He had eight receptions from 23 targets. So that's only 19.3, but he scored two TDs. So that made it pretty high. And he also, um, yards per reception deep was almost 40 yards, which also skews that a little bit. 
93.9 was the receiving grade on medium passes in 2020. Uh, that was 10 to 19 yards. Uh, he had he had a f- reception rate of um, 50%, um, 24 receptions from 49 targets for six TDs and 450 yards with an average of 18.8. Um, and then short, um, so zero to nine yards, um, de- receiving depth He um, from the line of scrimmage, 34.5%, 26 receptions from 41 targets. Um, sorry, so that's target percent. So 63.4 reception cap, um, percentage rate. Um, say 26 from 41 targets, 254 yards, 9.8 yards per reception, and three touchdowns. When you looked at it, deep center, deep right, and intermediate left again came up as his three highest places of catching the football. Again, quite odd that, yeah, you've got deep center, deep right, intermediate left. Um, but when you look, when you think about it two years in a row and you look at these numbers, it shows that he might be running um, you know, from that intermediate left, you know, and, and across the field. There might be certain routes where he's doing that, um, you know, and moving into deep center and deep right, depending on where he can get separation from the defender and where the quarterback um, can see him as well. But intermediate right was a 90.4. So that was another outstanding outlier, if you like, when you look at the receiving depths for Calvin Austin um, in 2020. In 2021, uh, when I when I pull that up, let's go. PFF's a bit slow. Ninety-seven point nine grade, me, medium, ten to nineteen yards from the line of scrimmage. Twenty-one receptions from thirty-five targets for sixty percent catch rate. Um, Four hundred twenty yards, two TDs, a ninety-four point six deep. Um, eight receptions from twenty-seven targets. Twenty-nine point six percent reception on catch rate. Two hundred seventy-six yards, three TDs. As I said. Um, and short was 28 receptions from 39 targets for 71.8% receiving catch rate um, or receiving cat- rate or catch rate, whatever you want to call it, um, as a percentage, 310 yards, 11.1 yards per reception, one TD for 89.3. His best errors in, the, on, in 2021 were deep left with a receiving grade of 94.3. He scored one touchdown um, deep left, 92.8 for deep center. Um, where he scored one touchdown again. Uh, 96.5 intermediate center with two TDs and intermediate right with a 94.3 where he scored. He didn't get a TD there. But those four positions made up for him more than almost 600 yards, almost 600 yards um, across those four positions of his 1,100 yards. So that's over a third of his came at a deep or intermediate level, which is pretty interesting um, from that perspective as well. Yards behind the line of scrimmage, only 36, um, which obviously you'd expect anyway, if you're going to get tackled back there, your average is going to be pretty small, but he averaged six across those, um, having caught um, six receptions from six targets back there um, as well. So that's pretty interesting from that perspective. So that's pretty much Calvin Austin, everything I wanted to cover in today's show. I'll just finish, you know, KT Smith did a really great article on him and Connor Haywood um, as well. You know, I think it was about a week or two ago. Um, sorry, yeah, it was two weeks ago now, almost three. Um, and he talked about that these were the final pieces in the puzzle for the Matt Canada offense. And KT Smith talked about um, Calvin Austin's 4-3-2 at the Combine. He talked about, you know, comparisons um, to Dre Archer and Chris Rainey, but Austin's nothing like those guys, as KT Smith points out. Uh, he talks a lot about, 
you know, how, you know, if he can, you know, be better than the Quadre Henderson um, of Matt Canada's offense, we're going to see some really awesome things. You know, KT Smith talks about the perimeter screen game and how he fits into that. He talks about how Austin can leverage his speed throughout routes. You know, he only needs a slight crack or a slight hold to get through. And we talked about that speed in his draft profile. Um, and, And KT Smith points out, you know, when you've got physical blockers like Freemuth, Pickens, Claypool, and Boykin, you know, Austin should get the space he needs, um, which is pretty, which is pretty awesome. Um, he can be leveraged in the RPO game. Uh, you know, we talked about zone runs and slants. KT Smith points that out on tape, particularly against the game against Houston, um, which was his better game if we talk about those PFF grades and where he did. So we know that. Um, you know, he has had routes at a running mesh, which is a Pittsburgh staple. Um, you know, and it's it's off to the races once he gets to the football. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting when you talk about his versatility, you talk about the way he can be leveraged. This guy's a Swiss army knife, I think, for the offense. Like we talked about that with Connor Haywood. He's like a receiving Swiss army knife as well. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited for Calvin Austin, as you can tell. I've just done an, like almost a you know 45-minute podcast on him. Um, I'm really excited by him. I'm excited to see what he does. As I said, though, in the middle of the podcast, don't be afraid um, or don't, don't fall out of love with, with Calvin Austin if he doesn't do a lot in the preseason. That might be a schematic situation where the Steelers don't want to put things on tape. They're going to show you something in, in this season on what he can do. You think about... 2021 and 2020 when Matt Canada, you know, was able to leverage Juju, was able to leverage Claypool um, in the sweep games. Just think about what he can do in this as well. But with that, stay tuned from everything from behind the steel curtain. And as always, go Steelers. Go Steelers.